0: If you'll join me in your Bible to the book of Genesis, chapter number 12, this morning, Genesis chapter number 12, and I'd like to welcome all of our visitors that are here with us today, and all of our members that are here with us today, and uh, I just trust that you come and brought your bucket so that you could take something home with you out of the service. Some folk come to church and don't get anything, it's because they don't bring anything to put it in and already have a set opinion of what's going on, and you know that all I preach on is money, not really the platform is what I preach on. Sometimes it entails money, all right? But not today. In your Bible, we're going to be talking about a man by the name of Abram, who later was called Abraham, who according to the New Testament is the father of our faith. The Bible said that Abraham believed God, and he counted it for righteousness. In the New Testament, it said, For whosoever believeth in him should not be ashamed. The Bible said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Aren't you glad of that? The reason we're here today is that deal on everlasting life. We're not here to feed the poor, although we do. That's why you're feeding me on a regular basis. We are not here to be a big benevolent institution. We are here today to tell you about everlasting life. And you are going to live everlasting somewhere. Once you became a living soul, God breathed into you the breath of life. You will never cease to exist. When I do funerals, they usually say in the obituary, so-and-so passed away. You will never pass away. Either you'll spend eternity with our Lord Jesus in heaven, or you'll spend eternity in hell with Satan and all of his imps. No middle ground, no purgatory, no halfway place. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Today we talk about Abraham. We started in the book of Genesis, and we talked about creation. How that God created something out of nothing, and everything that he created, you and I get to enjoy. I'll tell you, I'm glad he created Texas. Watermelons, yes. We have a need at the Wolfenbarger's house for watermelons. All of ours got burned up in the wonderful Texas sun. Them poor watermelons got wrinkles on them now because the Texas sun. We began in the book of Genesis, talked about the creation, chapters 1 and 2. We talked about the fall of man in Genesis, chapter number 3. God told Adam and Eve, don't eat of the tree. You eat of the tree, the day you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. And Eve went shopping one day. And passed by the tree. And she said, that tree sure is good to look at. You ever seen a Kmart blue light special? Good to look at. (laughs) Buy it on a credit. Eve said, I bet you that fruit would taste good. Then she said, the devil promised her if you eat of that tree, it'll make you wise. You'll be like a god you'll understand good and evil. And Eve took a bite of that tree, but she didn't realize that all the devil's apples have worms in them. You know, the only thing worse than biting into an apple and seeing a worm is biting into the apple and seeing half a worm. And Eve bit into the apple Satan provided And sure as the world, the day she ate and gave to Adam, that very day, God expelled them from the garden. No longer could they come into the presence of God, and they died spiritually that day. And everyone who's ever been born of human parents are born a sinner. You say, not my kids. I know they got halos. When your kid was born they had a halo they never cried all night over nothing they never pouted when you asked them to do something I wonder how many of you had to take and give your kids ten easy lessons on how to tell a lie they were born liars David said in sin did my mother conceive me. And so Adam he disobeyed God, and God expelled him out of the garden. You remember that? The very first child, Cain, killed his brother Abel. You remember that? And we talked about Noah. We talked about Noah's sons. We talked about Shem, Ham, and Japheth. We talked about the meaning of those names. Everybody on the face of the earth are akin to one another. Only one gene pool now exists, and that's Noah and his family. And now we talk about Shem, and Shem descends into Abraham. Now notice, if you would please, God has called Abraham out of the earth of Chaldees. Let's read verse number 1 of chapter number 12. The Bible said, And the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that i will show thee and i will make of thee a great nation that little nation over there in israel is god's fulfillment of this promise and i want you to know something now watch god as he tells abraham what he's going to do and i will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing and I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee anyone who's on the wrong side of Israel is under the curse of God God told Abraham I would make of thee a great nation and I will make you a blessing And I will bless them that bless thee, curse them that curse thee. Now, if you'll listen this morning, I'll bring this thing right up to what's going on in Israel today. Watch this. And I will bless them that bless thee, curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Do you know today, listen, because of Abraham and his descendants, Which comes to the cross of Calvary the Lord Jesus Christ and if you'll accept him as Savior today he will bless your family every daddy needs to be a saved daddy every mama needs to be a saved mama and both of them need to act like they're saved so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. Lot is going to be a lot of trouble. God didn't tell him to take Lot. God told him to get away from all you can vote, even your father. And long comes Lot. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Iran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land. (laughs) Uh, It said, breakfast, my wife's served me this morning That every time she cooks it so surprises me that I just go into convulsions God bless her she cooks every three times a day every day I don't know how she got blamed for that and the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto thy seed will I give this land You know what land he's talking about? The land that the Palestinians and Israel is fighting over right today. That's not the Palestinians' land. That's Israel's land. God gave it to them. Genesis 12. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, And pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and higher on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Bethel, the house of God. Hai, a heap of ruins. And he pitched his tent between the house of God and the heap of ruins. To remind them of what the world has to offer is nothing but a heap of ruins. But at the house of God, you have eternal life, purpose, and so forth. And so Abraham pitched his tent between the house of God and a heap of ruins. And the Bible said he called upon the name of the Lord there. Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. Now notice verse 10. And there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. came to pass when he was come near to the inner into Egypt that he said unto Sarah his wife. Now don't forget this guy is saved. This is the same guy that the Bible speaks in the New Testament of preaching the gospel to. He's entered the walk of faith, no longer should be walking by sight, trusting the Lord with all of his heart and leaning not unto his own understanding, but just like us, he's walking around in human flesh that wants its own way. How low can a Christian... Get. Let's see. came to pass when he was come near to enter into Egypt that he said unto Sarah his wife, who is sixty-five years old, Behold, now I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see thee that they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me. But they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. I wonder, has Egypt done anything for our morals? Are our morals what they ought to be or are our morals sinking to where the world wants them to be? Has the world, which Egypt typifies, notice it said, and he went down, not up to Egypt, down into Egypt. You know, when you go out to the world, you're going down. And in your own personal life, Has your morals slipped or your standards slipped just a little? Abraham looked at his wife, who is 65, and is a looker. Yeah. And he says to her, now, Sarah, when we go into Egypt, if you are known as my wife, they'll kill me so that you can become a part of their harem. So would you, Sarah, when we go into Egypt, tell them, you're not my wife but my sister? Would that go over pretty good at your house? Try that. And you can call me for counseling tomorrow. So Sarah agreed. That's about as low as a husband can get. Would you say that? So Sarah agreed, and it came to pass, verse 14, that when Abram was come into Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman that she was very fair. Sixty-five years old, no plastic work at all. Everything in its original position, Nothing has been stretched, pulled, shrunk, or replaced. 65 years old. And the first thing the Egyptians noticed was not Abraham's caravan, his wife. Getting better, isn't it? The princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house, his harem. And he entreated Abram well for her sake. In other words, he bought her. In other words, a Christian sold her for Sheep, oxen, he asses—yes, he was. I'm sorry. And made men servants, and maid servants, and she asses and camels. Could I speak to you this morning on this thought? Let's make a deal. Sarah, let's make a deal. We're going to leave God out of it, but let's you and I make a deal. Is it possible that a Christian makes a deal with the world in which we live and leaves God completely out of it? Now, Abraham's a Christian. Abraham is the father of the faith. The Bible says that God preached the gospel unto Abraham, and he received the gospel and became a believer and should be walking by faith. For by grace are we saved through faith. Everybody's ever been saved from Adam all the way to the book of the Revelation was saved the same way by grace through faith. Abraham is a child of God. If you look in Genesis chapter number 11, verse 32, Abraham's daddy is dead. Abraham remembered his call in chapter 12 and verse 4. He's parked over in Haran. He did not go all the way that God told him to go. And now, since Daddy is dead, he's reminded of his call, and God called him to Canaan, not to Haran. God never calls us to do halfway what He wants us to do or to go halfway to where He wants us to go. God always has a specific Plan and a specific place and he told Abraham, I'm going to show you the land. And so Abraham got tired and sat down a ran halfway to where he's supposed to go. Now after daddy died, Abraham remembers the call of God and he gets all of his family again whom God told him not to take. And he takes Lot and off they go to Canaan. Now if you look in your map, you'll find it Sechum is over three-quarters of the way into Canaan. He did not stop on the fringe. He did not stop at the border. A lot of Christians, when they get saved, they stop right there. They never go to church. They never attend church. They just stop right there. Well, does that mean you're going to hell? No, it just means you're not going to like it when you stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ. That's all that means. You're going to heaven. All right. Abraham is on his way to heaven. But I want you to know Canaan is not heaven. Because the Bible said the Canaanites were in Canaan. When he got to Canaan, listen, when Abraham got to where God wanted him to go, you would think everything is going to be all right. But if you notice in your text, the Bible said the Canaanites were there. The Canaanites were a wicked, ungodly, deprived tribe of folks. You say, what do they do? They behead They have no conscience. They think nothing about taking an American citizen and in before the camera and beheading him, decapitating him, so they can send it all the world to show what a God of love they serve. Descendants of the same folk. They were wicked. They were absolutely, totally depraved, and God told Israel, "When you go into Canaan, I want you to absolute kill them all." Why? Because they're under a curse, according to Genesis. But when Abraham got to where God wanted him to go, a Christian walking by faith, when he got to where God wanted him to go, he saw and discovered there were troubles. Where God wanted to go. If you're saved, I said if you're saved, there's going to be problems. But the difference is you have Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit of God to help you once you're saved, but you're going to have problems. And when Abraham got to where God wants him to go, now listen to me, Virkoff, when Abraham was in the perfect will of God, when Abraham was in the perfect place of God, when Abraham was doing absolutely what God wanted him to do, he found two problems where God wanted him to go. Number one, the Canaanites were there. Number two, there was famine in the land, in the will of God. Did you hear me? Those pie-in-the-sky kind of preachers that's telling you if you'll get saved, you'll be healthy and wealthy all your life, those guys are lying through their teeth. You know, since I've been saved, I have to pay my bills. Dear God, that's a terrible thing. When I got saved, everything ought to have been free. Do you know since I've been saved, I got old? Shut up. (laughs) And you know when you get old, there'll be things hurt that you didn't even know you had. There'll be popping and screeching and wrenching that you've never dreamed. I'm as saved as anybody in the world. I'm saved from here all the way to there. When I got saved, there was nothing on me that didn't get saved. But look like saves getting old in the perfect will of God in the perfect place of God Abraham was in Canaan and he discovered there is a thorn in his flesh and they're called Canaanites and they don't want to leave and besides that let me show you something there was famine in the land I've got 15 minutes I'd like to talk to you about three things. Brother Juan said he's got 15 minutes, but he's going to take 30. I saw on his face, Juan, you should not do that. You've hurt my feelings. I did not know that me in the perfect will of God, anybody would hurt me right in front of God and everybody. Let me show you a Christian, the father of our faith, an example that we have in the word of God to follow. In the book of Genesis, 14 chapters is given to Abraham. Two is given to Adam and Eve. He's our example to follow. Let me show you. In a Christian's life, there will be famine. In a Christian's life, there will be folly. Well, I'm perfect. That's the first lie you told. Is there anybody here married? (laughs) I didn't know we had so many single folks here, brother. (laughs) You better say amen, amen. Anybody here have teenagers? They'll be folly. And then I want to talk to you about God's fullness. I am so glad that we're saved by grace because none of us deserve it. And none of us are good enough to work for it. And God is gracious to give his son to die in my place that I might be saved everlasting. But oh, how many times I've failed miserably in my Christian walk of faith how many times have I worried about this or that realizing that worry will not change a thing but do we have any worry warts in the house come on say amen girls say amen, girls yes 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 look at your Bible I want to show you something in chapter number 12 and the Bible says in verse number 9 and 10 the Bible is very plain And it says this, And Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. And there was famine in the land. And Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. Not just a lack of supplies, but the famine was grievous. There was nothing at all to eat. Egypt seemed like a good idea since there was plenty to eat in Egypt, since there was plenty of materialism in Egypt, since there was many things, and boy, is there anybody here likes things? And what was not in God's will and what was not in Canaan, Abraham saw in Egypt. And in the Bible, every time you mention Egypt, it is typical and typifies the world. And I don't know of any Christians here today that has turned their back on God and begin to believe that this world could supply their ever need. I don't either, preacher, amen. Abraham saw. The answer to all of his problems, he was in the will of God. He was where God wanted him to do. And I read one time it says, "Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Lean not unto thy own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He would direct our path." Anybody remember those verses? Abraham forgot those verses. Abraham was caught up with. Egypt. Abraham had faith in Egypt. Abraham saw the answer to his dilemma and all of his problems in Egypt, just like many and most of us live like every answer to our need is this world. We live for this world. We live in this world. We act like this world. We smell like this world. Although we're children of God and walk by faith, we have more faith in our employer than we do our God. So let us not throw rocks at Abraham, our father of the faith, because he looked not up, but he looked down to see, to meet the sufficiency when the famine took hold in his life. And he looked toward Egypt. Egypt looked like the answer to all of his problems but when he got to Egypt he found out Egypt was his problem what is it that is drawing your attention away from God why don't you attend church on Wednesday night anymore Is your legs broke on Wednesday evening? They seem to work well when you're punching that time clock. They seem to work well when you're bowing down to the world of this, the God of this world. And all of a sudden, your attention and your devotion is no longer on God. You're not trusting in God. But the things in your life now are being fulfilled by this world. Good old Abraham. Boy, it's amazing what we can learn from his life, is it not? I want you to know when you're in God's will, there are difficulties along the way when you're in God's will. When you're where God wants you and when you're doing what God wants you to do, every once in a while, God sends something along to see if our faith is still real. It wasn't but just about 20 years ago, 25 years ago, a young man was on our staff. He helped start this church. He and his wife, his wife and my wife, prayed that I would have no place to preach so that I'd start this church. I had nothing to do with this church. My wife and Miss Nancy Isbell prayed that I would not have any place to preach in evangelism so that I would begin preaching here. And they prayed, and I had no place to preach, had no income. So I thought, since God called me to preach, I'd just preach on my porch one night. There's about ten folks out that night. And that's when Joshua Baptist Church started. Not the results of my prayer, not the results of my faith, not the result. It was the result of two backslidden women praying. I had no idea that God would answer two backslidden women's prayer. And I preached standing on my porch and those folks in my front yard, and I preached. Twenty-eight years ago, I believe with all my heart I'm in God's perfect will of my life. There's never been a time where I desired to be any place else but right here. When I started this church, I started it for good or bad, beginning until the end. You say, we want you to leave. It'd be easier for you to leave. All you've got to do is move your membership. I'd have to move my house, so I'm staying. But there has been difficulties. Bob Isbell, good friend of mine, Led singing for years, associate pastor for years. And we bought some buildings down there. Now we have the school in them. And Bobby was working in one of the restrooms, chipping up the concrete. We had no idea, but while Bob was working in that bathroom and chipping up that concrete, that some kind of fungus that was in that bathroom splashed in his eye. And it began to eat Bobby's eye right out of his head. And I've seen him crying in pain because it hurts so drastically. And now Bobby only has one eye. But never in all time I've known him has it changed his attitude. No spirit of anger just accepted God's will for his life. I want you to know, if you're saved, there will be difficulties along the way. There will be famines. And don't you ever think that the world has the answer to your problems. Don't you ever think that's true. God never called Abraham to Egypt. Abraham went to Egypt on his own. Most of the time when we're given the orders, they backfire in our face. Abraham was looking at circumstances and not God. Is there anybody here that does that? Come on, say amen. Because I know you do, because I'm usually... The blunt of your misunderstandings. It's always my fault, never your fault. You wallowing around in the world thinking like the world, smelling like the world, but it's always my fault. You You ever know that? You will have problems. You remember Peter, Lord is that you on the water? Lord, can I walk on the water? Jesus said, come. And Peter jumped out of the boat and walked on the water. Until the first wave hit him in the face. And Peter, being a Christian, said, Well, Lord, I didn't know. I'd have to get wet to do this. And Peter took his eyes off the Lord and started looking at the waves. Does anybody know what happened to Peter after that? Yes, sir. He began to sink, that's right. I think Peter should have said, Lord, let's make a deal. I keep looking at you and you keep letting me walk. Amen. But instead, Peter said, I think I'll make a deal with myself. Look what I'm doing. Bloop, 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 bloop. There'll be famine in your walk of faith. In your walk of faith, there will always be that tendency to start walking by sight. And we start looking to Egypt for the solution to our problem. And then we find out when we get to Egypt, Egypt is our problem. Could I please just close without doing the other two points because I'm on the clock. Could I please give you this before I go? If you are a Christian and you are saved by grace through faith, don't you ever think that this world does not have their Jericho with their massive walls, insurmountable situations. But I want you to know, if you'll not try to do it yourself and buy you a jackhammer to knock the walls down, if you'll trust God, he has a plan already in place for the walls to come tumbling. If you are saved and you are on your way to heaven, there'll be giants like Goliath in your life. Giants that you don't know how in the world you're ever going to make it. Giants that looks as though it's going to destroy your family and your life. There'll be Goliaths because God sends them our way so that we'll not trust in the armor of this world and Saul's armor, but we can cast it aside and trust God, and he will slay the giants for us, if you're saved. And I believe you are. there will be those fiery furnaces. Yeah, they will. The world will turn the heat up seven times hotter than ever before. The economy, the job, the teenage kids, the husband, never the wife, will turn the heat up. And sometimes it'll seem like it's seven times hotter. You're never gonna make it. How in the world are we gonna make it? No, please, do not look to Egypt. Look to God. He is our deliverer. Our walk is a walk of faith, not sight. And I'll tell you, all the world has to offer is the pride of life and the lust of the flesh and lust of the eye, and that too will pass away. But he that doeth the will of God shall never, never pass away. Glory be to God. We're just Christians on our way to heaven Seem like we're stuck in Canaan and famine and Jericho's and problems and situations. I got news for you. God will make a way. Oh, if you're a Christian, and I believe you are, there'll be turbulent boat rides. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You say, Preacher, I'm in a boat right now. Look like it's sinking. Hang on, buddy. Put a cork in it. God will be there before it sinks. Unless you're boat fishing with my boy. (laughs) Is Mandy up there? When they sunk that boat about 200 yards from shore here a while back and turned that boat upside down, with that brand-new $700 generator at the bottom of the lake. The hero man was worried about Mandy. Where's Mandy? She had already swam 200 yards, standing on the beach, and over here. I'd give a $100. And you know how tired I am. To see the look on Mandy's face As she went flying through the air in front of her brother, she said, I saw my life flashing away before my eyes. Turbulent boat rides. Hall was in the will of God. And the boat began to rock. And the turbulent winds begin to blow. And the white-capped waves turn not into white-caps, but now they are gigantic waves hitting the side of that boat. And everybody on board in the book of Acts was worried about what to do. They threw the cargo overboard. They threw everything overboard. In fact, they threatened to throw Paul overboard. He was saved in God's perfect will, in God's perfect place, and had to contend with a turbulent boat ride. Is your boat beginning to wobble a little bit? Your wife now don't, her bell don't ring when you touch her. It's because the clangor is broke. Falling out of love, are you? Turbulent boat ride in this world. You can't watch television now. well I'd hate to be a male news commentator in Fort Worth. Some broads doing the Traffic. Lady doing the news. Lady doing the weather. I asked my wife the other day, "Do you think all the men in Fort Worth died?" And I wonder why. You notice there ain't none of them Tennessee-looking women on that thing. The kind of women that was where I was raised. You wouldn't have to worry about anybody watching that chat. They'd have to get teeth. They had no idea about a comb. You know what's happening? The world's appealing to your flesh and your lust of the eye. You can't be in this world without you affectionate to a portion of this world. And my Bible said, love not the world neither the things of the world. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. For all that is in the world is the lust of the eye and the lust of flesh and the pride of life. And the world with its deeds will pass away. Oh, dear folk, listen to me. You'll have your boat ride You'll have your Goliaths, but in all those situations, God proved to be faithful, did He not? God proved to be faithful. I've been preaching now forty-nine years now. Never punched another man's clock. Never taken a check from another employer. Because the Bible said they that preach the gospel should live of the gospel. Now a lot of times my kids would snap at the doorknobs because they're so hungry. And we thought steak came in a round tube about that big around you. You slice off all the steak that you wanted. But my God has proved to be faithful. I dare not look to this world for its allurement. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Oh, his famine turned into his folly. Lied. Got down to Egypt. There wasn't nothing wrong with lying. Got down to Egypt, the morals were gone. Nothing wrong with selling your wife for a bunch of sheep and goats and lambs and she-asses and he-asses. Nothing wrong. The world just accepts that. Come on now, say amen. And somehow and other, the world think we as a church and as walkers of faith should accept everything they have sunk to accept. But now notice God did not go down to the world to get along with Abraham. Abraham had to come out of the world to get along with God. His folly, he went into the world and accepted the world's morals and the world's standards and sat there and counted his sheep while his wife was living in another man's house. He counted his sheep and his goats and his camels of more value than his own wife. That's a Christian. That's a Christian in Egypt. That's a Christian out of the will of God and in Egypt, dependent on Egypt to take care of everything and desire of his heart. I'm going to close right now. The Bible said, be sure your sins will find you out. Abraham got enough sense to get out of Egypt in verses 1 through 4 in chapter 13. But when Abraham left Egypt, he took a little bit of Egypt with him. Lot and a lady by the name of Hagar. Heard of Hagar, have you? Chapter 16 of the book of Genesis, Sarah could not have a child. God had promised Abraham to be the father of many nations. So the wife that Abraham talked into lying about the relationship, got her an Egypt, Egyptian maid and took her back to Canaan. Ten years later, Sarah comes to Abraham and says, "Abraham, I cannot have a child." Why don't you go in to Hagar, and you and Hagar have a son for me. You know what the kid's name was? Ishmael. You know the big difference between Christianity and the Muslims? Genesis 22 talks about Abraham taken a son and puts him on the altar there in readiness to sacrifice the son and God showed him a ram in the thicket. Now the difference between the terrorist, ISIS, Al-Qaeda, jihadist, The difference between them and us is who did Abraham put on that altar? Ishmael or Isaac? If Abraham had never gone to Egypt, and if Abraham had trusted God instead of looking to the world for all of his needs, there would be no Ishmael. There would be no terrorist, and the Twin Towers would still be standing. And Lot, Genesis 13, and Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. You know why? It reminded him of the land of Egypt. Take your kids to Egypt and you'll never get Egypt out of your kids. Take your family to Egypt and you'll never get Egypt out of your family. And all of God's people said, thank God he's a God of grace. And even when we get mixed up in Egypt, he says, God is not slacked as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If you're walling around in the world, you need to come to God. You need to get out of Egypt. Come back to Bethel. Come back where the altar is. And all of God's people said, and if you've never been saved, what well, would be a wonderful day to get saved. You say, I'm not getting saved if there's that much trouble. You're in that much trouble now. You just have to handle it by yourself. But if you get saved, Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And all of God's people said,